Hey guys, chapter number two. We're going to look at the, uh, be looking, first of all, the book of Haggai, but we'll come to the, we've come to the last in our series on America in crisis. And uh, there's part of me that, uh, I have to be honest, I am looking forward to being done. These messages have been work. Um, they, uh, there've been a lot of, uh, lots of history that's, uh, that we brought in and, and, uh, uh, and I, uh, I, I know with uh, all of that history, I get very tied to my notes. And, uh, and so I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to being done with this. But at the same time, I don't know about you, but I look back at, uh, the last, uh, uh about 10 weeks and we can look back and say, look at America in crisis. Look at the challenges that we've, we've seen. Look at the, the battles that are there. And I can't help but think they've all been very timely uh, as, as God's placed them on our heart and in our mind. And uh, so I, I just can't help but go, there it is. And hopefully today's message will be informative for us all as well as have that meaning uh, that, uh, that goes in there. America in the end time prophecy. And I know immediately, I, uh, I'm already in trouble. Brother Jeff back there, he's already jumping at the bit. As soon as I said the word prophecy, he's anxious. And uh, I, uh, I love it. But uh, America, uh, in the last time, what does it look like? What are these, these pictures? And, and uh, what is all of the, the pieces of the puzzle? And, and uh, wh- how do we put it all together? What are we, where are we at? Well, Haggai chapter, uh, chapter number 2 and verses 6 and 7. Uh, The scripture says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I'll shake all nations. And the desire of all nations will come and I will fill the house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. I read that this morning and uh, as I was getting ready and getting things together and I said, hmm. And then we're in Sunday school and we read in the book of Joel. You remember in the book of Joel in chapter number 2 and how it is that he's going to shake this world. And I went, wow. I, uh, I love it when I see my Bible not only come together in prophecy, but I love when I see my Bible come together in ways that I go, wow, this is really kind of neat to see how God's working. And So first of all, we want to know what's this verse talking about? Well, the verse is talking about the house of the Lord. When God says that he will fill his house with glory, that is uh, uh, what we want God to do. Uh, with our own personal temple. We just were singing just a moment ago. I thought very timely. It's been a long time since we sang that song, Sanctuary. And uh, Lord, fill this sanctuary. Fill this, the me, the, that sanctuary. That's, uh, that's what we are, that sanctuary. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we want God to do when we meet together as the body of Christ. We want the Holy Spirit to fill us as we meet together. But this is, is uh, predicting the time when God will literally fill a rebuilt temple with the glory of God as he did King Solomon uh, when he first built the temple. And you'll read that when the, the temple was built by King Solomon that God's presence literally came down. There was smoke, there was fire, and God literally filled the house with his presence and the people knew it and they gave God the glory. They knew it. And they gave God the glory. When God moved, the people knew it, and they they gave him the glory. So the book of Haggai, it was a time when the people had come back from Iraq, that is the land of Babylon, present-day Iraq, and uh, they didn't have a whole lot of money, but they came back, they rebuilt the temple. The temple did not uh, uh, at all achieve the glory 
or the beauty that it was when Solomon built it. It didn't look near as good. Uh, Zerubbabel and, and those who were, were with him built it, and it, uh, it said that when the temple was dedicated, the young men shouted and the old men wept. And they wept because it didn't achieve its former glory. But the young men shouted because it was the only temple they had ever seen. They'd ever seen. Nonetheless, they, they looked forward to the day when another temple would be rebuilt. And, and uh, King Herod later rebuilt that temple. And the temple was during the time of Jesus. And the temple was also destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D. And since that time, there has not been a Jewish temple in Jerusalem. We, uh, the Bible predicts that during the tribulation time, or, or about that time, another temple is going to be rebuilt, but that temple is also going to be destroyed. And, and one day there's going to be a millennial temple built. And, uh, and that uh, millennial temple during the thousand-year reign of Christ is going to be inhabited by Christ himself. And when Christ himself takes up residency in the temple, this verse is going to come to pass. Got, all you, got it all there. I hope you're with me on that now. Lots of temples, lots of things going on. But this verse comes to pass in the millennial age. And, uh, and the, the glory of God is going to fill that temple. But God says here he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. This is what we call a, an apocalyptic language, meaning prophecy language, such as uh, the language used in the book of Revelation. So God says, I'm going to shake the heavens and shake the earth and... and uh, has God ever shaken the heavens and the earth in the past? Well, think about what God did in Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says God rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed the cities uh, of the plains. He literally shook the earth and the heavens, and, and fire and brimstone came from the heavens. Think about what God did in the days of the flood. He literally shook the heavens and the earth because the aquifers of the earth were loose and the water came from beneath. The flooded the earth. Rain came from above and flooded the earth and for 40 days and for 40 nights. <coughs> Exciting times. Are you glad you weren't there? Both of them, yes. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad. I've been delivered. All right. And God says once again, that means there's another time in the future. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Jesus talks about it. Jesus said the future, there will be a time when the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon will be turned to blood, the, the stars will fall from their places and the power of heaven will be shaken and the word Jesus used for shaken or the word that Jesus used for shaken is the Greek word uranus which is uh, we get our word uranium from we uh, know that atomic material is, is uranium and we don't know whether God will use humans to shake the heavens and the earth or whether uh, he will simply do it with his mighty hand but there's coming a time and it says that God is going to shake the heavens and the earth to see the dry land, and he's going to shake all the nations. Whew! And if America survives until that time, America itself will be shaken. Will be shaken. So where is America in Bible prophecy? Well, if America survives, it is this verse. And America itself will be shaken in that time. And we know, we just celebrated a time when our country was shaken just this past week. We look at September 11th, and we say we won't forget. We'll remember. We want to honor them, and and uh, and we look back and we celebrate. You realize it's been 19 years. Heather and I were talking about it, and I said, uh, I said I remember where I was. 
I remember where I was. I remember what we were doing. I remember where, where, and <laughs> Heather goes, I was watching it at home on TV. And uh, I was down in Hillsboro and at a meeting. And, uh, and I said, uh, I just, it's amazing. I mean, to be able to, to narrow that in. I remember the quietness that was across our country because we were down there for the meeting. And it just, uh, I mean, even my drive home, uh, there was a quietness. Uh, you got, you know, okay, I'll make the joke so you don't have to. There's six preachers in a car and it's quiet. You know, just not normal. I mean, just a, a, a heart-wrenching time. And, uh, and you look and you say, we remember America was shaken at that time. A solemn occasion, literally our whole nation was shaken emotionally, physically, and sociologically. And, and we know that we, uh, we knew we were vulnerable for an attack, but a foreign enemy uh, on our own soil, it, just, it shook us. But there's coming a future time that our nation may be shaken, and there will be nothing like it. We're, we're going to be shaken, and it says, and, and the desire of the nations will come. Who, who is the desire of all nations? Well, that's the Messiah. You say, and it means the, the one that the, the nations desire to bring peace to the world will come, and all the nations desire peace, and all the nations through all the, the centuries have looked for peace, and they've looked for utopia, and a utopian age when men will no longer raise sword against sword. And, and he says, after God shakes all the nations, and, that, and at that time the desire of all the nations will come, and of course Jesus will set up his kingdom upon earth, and there will be a peace. This is a glimpse of, of America in Bible prophecy. The spiritual connection of America in, in end times prophecy. Now, I want us to look for other ways America is mentioned in end times prophecy. Well, first of all, I want you to notice the spiritual connection of, of America in end times prophecy. We go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3, and we find America is married to two brothers. And because uh, America is married to two brothers, America is uh, connected to end times prophecy because end times prophecy is all about these, these two brothers. One's name is Ishmael, the other's name is Israel. You look and it says in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house. Go to the land that I will show thee of. I will make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Genesis chapter 17 and verses 19 through 21, the scripture tells us there, God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him, and I will make him fruitful and greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. America is married to two brothers. First, the son Isaac and Jacob, which is, is Israel. Isaac, of course, had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Abraham's descendants were Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel. And Israel was America's marriage by conviction. We're linked to Israel by destiny. We talked about Israel's role in the founding of America a couple of weeks ago, how a Jewish man financed the American Revolution. I just always, I, I shake my head. I, you know, we could, uh, how many presidents had direct involvement in the establishment of, 
of the Jews in their homeland. Each president had their own role to play in bringing Israel to their homeland. And modern American presidents in particular have a particular role, and each one has one in helping Israel in their homeland. You look at what our current president has done in moving the, uh, move, moving the, the, the embassy and putting it in Jerusalem, and how exciting. I, I, I think it's funny that when, when he did that, what were we doing? We were celebrating. Why? America is tied to Israel. We are tied to Israel in so many ways that, that it's just absolutely amazing. And we could, could read that. We could rejoice in the fact that the Jews could return to their homeland. They prayed for peace in Jerusalem. They became a mighty force. And because God prospered them, he prospered the Jewish immigrants who came to America. They began to finance, make it possible. And what do you have? America linked to Israel by devotion. And then we're linked to Israel by decision. God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. One of the great illustrations is that, uh, uh, is, is that of Yom Kippur uh, War in the fall of 1973 when Egypt struck the tiny nation of Israel. Armed with Soviet weapons, unprovoked, they attacked the nation with, with a surprise attack. Israel was not prepared. Their army was totally taken back. And they almost overcame the nation of Israel. Golda Maher called President Nixon and said, we have three nuclear missions aimed straight at Cairo, and if you don't do something to help us, we're going to fire those nuclear weapons, and there's going to be World War III. You go back in, in that history and you look, and Nixon started an airlift in, to, to Israel of conventional weapons, and it was an airlift that was massive, it was an airlift of military aid greater than the airlift of the Berlin airlift in World War II. And because of that, Israel began to fight the Egyptians with American weapons. It was American weapons against Russian weapons. It was those who bless Israel against those who curse Israel. God said, those who bless Israel, I will bless. Those who curse Israel, I will curse. And Israel soon won that war. God illustrated how he blessed those who bless his people. And what an example it was. So we've been married to a nation of Israel. How so? That is, we, we figure into Bible prophecy because of conviction. Of conviction. Not only are we, we look at them in, in that way, but notice also married to Ishmael, the other son. Got a, got a, I said there were two sons, remember? We got to look at the other son, and Ishmael was not the son of promise. You remember the story of Abraham, how that God promised him a miracle son? Abraham and Sarah were going to have the... A son. Sarah's up in her years. She's well past childbearing years. She's well past uh, childbearing years. And finally, Sarah said, I am barren. I can no longer have children. Here's my handmaid. Why don't you go to Hagar and have a relationship with her and have a child with her? Maybe that is uh, the, the way God intends. God doesn't need any help, does he? God doesn't need any help. This was the greatest mistake ever made in, in human mystery, history. And really, it's the reason 9-11 happened. It's the reason we have a problem in the Middle East today. It's the reason of the feuds of the Israelis and the Palestinians. And the Palestinians are the descendants of Ishmael. The descendants of Ishmael came from 12 tribes. They settled in what we know as the Arabian Peninsula. And all the Arabian Peninsula, all of their descendants are, are those who worship Islam today. So Abraham, instead of being a man, instead of listening to God, instead of having faith, he took his wife's advice, went into his handmaid, 
And a child was born, not a child of promise, not the miraculous birth God had planned, but Ishmael was born. Hmm. Pretty soon, there was a war in the camp. There was jealousy. There was war in the camp. Sarah still barren, and Hagar had a child. She began to mock Sarah. I have a child. I'm closer to your husband than you are. I am only a slave. You, I have a child by your husband. So therefore, I'm closer to him. Pretty soon, every time Sarah saw the child playing in the tent, she got madder. She couldn't stand it. And pretty soon, she ran that child and his mother off. She ran them into the desert. They went out into the desert, and they would have died had it not been for the protecting hand of Almighty God. God protected them there, and it wasn't their fault. And later, of course, God brought about the miraculous birth of Isaac, and it was the he's the forerunner of the Lord Jesus. And anyone knows that, that a 90-year-old woman couldn't bear a child. A 100-year-old man couldn't bring about a child. But God brought him about through grace. This was the child of the covenant. This was the child of promises. was the child to bring forth Israel. <clears throat> they bring forth the Messiah. They bring forth the chosen people of God. But anyway, Israel was born, and lo, behold, after the century of time, in about 650 A.D. or so, one of the descendants of Ishmael had visions, and, and in those visions, he had a vision that he got uh, the religion known today as Islam, and terrible vision. He told his wife, I don't know if these visions are from the devil or if they're visions from God. She said, if they're visions from God, and he wrote them down, and what he wrote down has become the Quran. And he came up with a religion that's monotheistic. And the whole essence of his religion was submission. Submission to Allah. And they hate us because democracy and, and Islam cannot function together. Because to them, the king and Allah are one. The king, a symbol of Allah, you have to be submissive to the, the king. To be submissive to Allah. To be a good Muslim, you must be submissive. Submission is, is the number one thing. If you're going to be a Muslim, you, you must pray what, six times a day. You have to, you must go to jihad. What is jihad? Jihad involves several things that you must do. There are seven pillars of the faith you must keep. You, you must pray six times a day. You must be willing to, to annihilate. You must be willing to destroy the infidels. Who's an infidel? Anybody who's not like you. See, so because of Ishmael, we have today the most racist, most radical, the most demonic and most ungodly and most dangerous religion and philosophy that man has ever faced. We can walk through there and no, no question about it. So let's get to the spiritual connection of America in time prophecy. Let's look at the spiritual connection of America in end times. Notice America is a descendant of the scattered nations. In Genesis chapter 5, from these the maritime people spread out into their territories by the clans of their nations and each his own language. When God scattered the people who wanted to build the tower that reached to heaven, all the people descended from those people, you and I had to descend somewhere. The European people with, uh, from whom we 
descend and, and transcend from somewhere, they're our ancestors. They're our ancestors. They travel by ship across the sea. Then the Americans are going to be a part of Christ's 1,000 year reign on earth will we'll either be you look and you go wait a minute the whole essence picture Isaiah 66 says an eye because of their actions and their imaginations I'm about to come and to gather all nations and tongues and they'll come and they'll see my glory and I will set among them and I will send some of those who survive to the nations of Tarshish the Libyans the Lydians famous as archers, uh, Tabal and Greece, the, the distant islands, and finish down through verse number 20, and it pictures the great time of the kingdom of Christ, when all of the nations will bring their, their glory in before Christ and worship him. And that's what Jesus talked about in Matthew 25, verse 32. He said, there will be a time when the nations will be gathered before him. Nobody will have a, a, a vote, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. And then America will have been Israel's vision. Another vision he had of the nations. And in Isaiah 18 and verse number 2, he said this. He says, which sends envoys by sea and boats over the water, go swift messengers to, to a people tall and smooth-skinned, to, to a people feared far and wide, an aggressive nation, a strange speech, whose land is divided by rivers. And some Bible scholars look at that and they say, who else could he be talking about? except the United States, and they say they see a prophetic message. Ezekiel 38 and verse number 13, the, the background of the, uh, is the great war that's going to take place in the end time when Russia will attack Israel. And the Bible talks about a war in, in which the, the eyes of men will be melted from their sockets and the skin will be melted from the skeletal frame. And it says, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and and all her villages will say to you, Have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, carry it off silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods and seize much plunder? They will say to Russia and all her allies, and her, her allies will be the, the her Arab nations. And did you know the Bible predicts that the Arab nations, the Islamic nations within the end times, join Russia in a great alliance against the nation of Israel. And this great nation will stand up and say, No, back off. And many believe that that nation that says back off will be the United States of America. And then John says, John may have seen America and Israel's great savior in the tribulation period. And John, or in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 14. And the women, woman pictured in Israel, this pictures the woman who gives birth to the Messiah and says, there the woman gives, uh, was given two wings, a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for time and times and half time out of the serpent's reach. We know the eagle's a symbol, a symbol of the United States. And of course, that's uh, talking about the three and a half years of what the Bible calls the tribulation period. So that connection, as we walk through, the connection's been special. It's a special connection. And first of all, the special connection in end times prophecy the connection of this is this America is connected to prophecy because we have been connected with Israel been connected Israel is the greatest recipient of foreign aid of any other nation that we give aid to and so we are connected to Israel in that way 
beginning with President Kennedy. He, he stepped up the aid. President Johnson stepped up even further. Now we give Israel more aid than any other nation and more military aid than any other nation because we know that she is a tiny nation of 5 million people surrounded by at least 100 million or more enemies and we know that she must be able to defend herself. Now I'm going to take you back a few years and I'm going to take you back into 1990 and you remember that first time that things got a little excited over there. I was in Bible college and we had folks that were in the the, uh, they were, were serving, um, but they were at school at the time. They were doing the, um, um, for lack of a better term, dual enrollment is all that comes to mind. But they were serving in our military. They are going to college and, and uh, in, in, in the reserves, and then they were called to go serve. And I thought it was funny because our, our, the whole college was, you could just hear a Bible college just buzzing. Because why? I wouldn't want to be the nation who's against Israel. You could sum the buzz up that simple. If you've got God on your side, do you really want to go to war with them? Do you, do, do, do you really want to go to war with the country that has God on their side? God's chosen people, God's land, the one that he has, has promised all, all along. See, America is Israel's partner. Replanted in her land in 1948. And it happened on April 14, 2004. President Bush signed a document. There was no reason for him to sign it. It didn't help him politically. It didn't give him any votes. It sure didn't could lose him all the, the Islamic votes. But a very significant day. Because he signed a document that says, very simple, we're Israel's partner. But first of all, Israel would not have to return. They had any agreement with, of peace with the Palestinians to their pre-1967 borders. as a special day. Number two, he said that the Palestinians who lost land in 1948 could not return to Israel nor could their descendants return to Israel under any peace agreement that had no claims of any land in Israel. Historic. Number three, he said that, that Israel's right to retain some key West Bank settlements was secure. They didn't have to give up the, many of the, the key bank settlements that they, they'd be able to keep. And number four, he supported Israel's right to fight terrorism unconditionally. And it's a historic document because it, it is fundamental change policy toward Israel. Makes it possible for Israel in any future peace agreement to retain control of the city of Jerusalem. And it tells them that America is very much in play in Bible prophecy. Takes us back. Now, preacher, that's all wonderful. That's a great Bible lesson. That's a, that's a, lot, of, a lot of depth. Uh, that's given us. But what about you and I? If America's in Bible prophecy, then you and I, we too are in Bible prophecy because we are America. We are the United States. And as our nation, what, what do we look at? And you look at and you say, what do we have? We have
of a nation that is divided right now. I can't help but look across our country and we go, very divided. we got folks that it's, and you can't even talk with people. If they're across the aisle from you, they don't want to talk. We've called it, and we've even given it a name now, a cancellation culture. And I still believe that when God tells us, the scripture tells us, it's my people which are called by my name. It's my people that are called by my name. When he speaks to the nation of Israel, when he speaks to the church, and he says, my people that are called by name, my name, will humble themselves. We've got to come to that place where we get on our knees before God and we cry out to God. Just God here I am. If we'll repent of our wicked ways, seek his face, he'll heal our things. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. And if God keeps his promise to Israel, God can keep his promise to you. And he gave his son on the cross 2,000 years. You look and you say, he took our sin upon himself. He shed his blood. He rose again. He said, if you call on me, if we'll trust him and him alone, he'll save us eternally. He'd give us eternal life for his, his, this life and the life to come. And all we have to do is what? Only trust him. Only trust him. I'm so excited. I look back at the last week. I just can't help. There are three things that that, uh, uh, that happened this week in, in my walk that I look and I go, thank you, Lord, for every one of them. Uh, divine appointments that were set up in my life uh, for encouragement. I'm on the phone yesterday. I told you of the other two in Sunday school. But I'm on the phone yesterday uh, with a gentleman. It's a, He happens to be our banker. And, and I'm on the phone with him. And he's a friend. And he says, by the way, um, you don't know the impact your church has had on our community. You don't know. I go, well, we've been here forever. I do know we've had a little bit of impact. And I was teasing with him. And he goes, no, you don't know. You don't know. He says, I'm driving through McDonald's. And I thought, okay. He says, I drove through McDonald's and, and somebody yells out the window, you must be, and named his daughter's name named her name out the window he says how do you know her how do you know my daughter and the young lady that's inside says I went to Mill Creek Baptist Church vacation Bible school with her and we went to Sunday school class together I said how did she know who you were that was the question that got me. I mean, I get kids know kids, but how in the world do they know dad? And, and he says, oh. And he says, I just want to let you know. You know, your ministry continues to go beyond what you realize. Because there's a young lady that, what did she do? She just told everybody. In McDonald's. I said, is it so-and-so? And he goes, no, it wasn't her, because I don't know that one. I did get her name, but he couldn't tell me who it was yesterday when I asked. He had it written down. I thought, wow. You know what? I know this. America and prophecy? Not a question. 
Do I think that uh, as we walk through the scripture, I know that God's doing our work. And I know that we have a community that needs to hear. And I know that we have a community not only needs to hear, but we need to stand up. So strong in faith. Shout it from the Sometimes we just got to get alone with God. Sometimes we just need to get alone with Him. Kind of a side thought, but I the other day I was driving down the road. I normally drive with the radio on. I've got all kinds of other noise in my van, but that noise at least is somewhat harmonious. <laughs> and I just reached up, turned the radio. That's interesting. They were there. I don't know why. I hadn't thought of that in a long time. And God had a way. I walked in the door of a house and I spoke with a lady. I went through a tremendous burden. And I gave her the Bible. Literally just spoke words. The Lord. You made me laugh. Just as if, that's the word. I love when folks respond in an interesting way. That's the case of yes it is. Did you must be a preacher. Yes, I am. She asked me, she said, will you pray? I told you, Mr. Pat. Mr. Pat, will you pray for me? Pray for her. I prayed for her on the way out the door. I'm telling you, if it's not a God thing, it doesn't make sense. Remember, I turned the radio off and words of the song came to my mind. I hadn't heard any. And she said, I got it. 